All in the Game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's All in the Game on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game. It is City Talk 105.9. It is Neil Atkinson, but it is not David Downey. Uh, but for once, we've managed to get an Evertonian substitute in. Opposite me, I've got John Gibbons. He's not going to play the role of the Evertonian. He's going to be himself. We've got... He works wonderfully on reception at City Talk 105.9 and Radio City. His name is Mick Shields, and Mick is uh, a long stalwart of the station. When I bemoaned the fact yesterday, Mick, it's always hard to get a blue. You just went... I'll do it. I'll talk about Everton all day. Right, you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no problem. It's not complicated stuff, is it, Mick? It's, 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 it's complicated being an Evertonian at times, but complex. Not in, the, not in the last couple of seasons, it hasn't. It hasn't been at all. And let's be honest about this. This is now leaps and bounds, Mick. This is what I've said to you. What you're saying to me when I'm coming through reception. This is now leaps and bounds for Everton. A comfortable, a glorious, an excellent football playing swashbuckling four 0 against Stoke. It's a. It's it's an. It must be an exciting time to be a blue all of a sudden. You know, it makes you feel good in, in, in yourself. I go asleep, asleep easy and I wake easy because if, if we have a bad game, you know, I don't sleep that night, I won't pick a paper up the next day. I just love Everton. It's this. It's these loan signings that that grabs me, Mick. That's the thing. I've, I've noticed everyone's talking about it today. You got this lad up from Lukaku. He's fabulous. Yeah. Gareth Barry's fabulous. But now the uh, now the, the Spanish winger oh, Delafau, unbelievable, is looking terrific. And he, 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 you could just see. I mean, I wasn't. I obviously didn't see the game against Stoke, but he absolutely on the highlights. He cut them to shreds. It's it, they, they, oh, we've got up front. You haven't mentioned Morales there. Yep. You just mentioned loan thing, but. Uh, We've got people up front now who are going to cut a lot of people to shreds. They're, they're just fantastic. It's uh, watch. I mean, watching them now, I can't think. I can't think of you know I, I, the Everton the Everton sides I can remember. I was, you know, I was in uh, eighty for the eighty five, eighty six side for the eighty four, eighty five yeah. side. I was only four or five. I've never seen an Everton side this exciting. I've seen Joe Royal's dogs of war. I've seen David Moyes' counter attacking. But suddenly now at the start of the season, Martinez is Everton's the most exciting Everton I can remember seeing. Oh, I've, I've seen as good as this. Uh, Nineteen forty seven. That was a good team. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> Davy Exon. Fantastic, ad, Davy and O'Neill in goal and all. Yeah, that'll go years and years. But it's these players. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking yeah. at, for instance, Barry here. You know, if he's he is like a class. He's a classic English central midfielder. That's what he's got. He's got that swagger of those sorts of you know th- th- those sorts of central midfielders. That's what's impressive. And he's playing now with uh, not not uh, not stars like. Man City stars. He's playing with ordinary footballers who play the game. Uh, they seem to. They, they, I can't believe how well they're doing, John. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm surprised by how quickly this is. You hear so much from managers about it'll be a project, it'll take time, it'll be this, it'll be that. I, you know, I'd still be surprised if Everton managed to finish in a top four position. But the quality of the football and the desire to play football, the shift is massive in what's effectively you know no more than no more than th- three four months with them at the helm. Yeah, it just shows that a good manager can come in and, and, and make a difference straight away as long as he's got the right tools. I mean, we we have to be clear and say they had they had a fantastic last hour of the transfer window to sort of get Lukaku and, and Barry and, Mc, and Mc, McCarthy in and it wasn't looking you know too hot for them I just remember <laughs> Dave, Dave Downey's face a couple of hours ago when it didn't look like they were going to get anyone but you know they have turned the, 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 um, the side around but I would, I'm really 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 impressed with Everton how, they, how they've played how they've set up and how they know exactly what they're about so quickly you know how they're going to play you know how Martinez wants them to play and they all seem to know the roles and when you've got a system that works and when you've got a system that everyone's bought into you can also make changes and he made two changes didn't he Mickey bought um he bought 
he bought, it Morales didn't play, did he? And neither did Barkley, and he bought Osman and, and the young Spanish lad, anyway. I think he's managed fantastically as well because they Everton pay more of his wages when he doesn't play, but he hasn't rushed him in. He's let him have a look. He's brought him on. He's played him in League Cup games, and now he feels like he's ready to unleash him. And he was, and he was very, very excited. Well, well, see, we've had to be careful, haven't we, with how we, how we play our players, you know? Because uh, there's young lads. There's, and, but it's the experience what I see with Distel and Jags in the back. It's, it's that experience and Bainsey. You know, he won't be going anywhere in January. He's staying with us. So, well, I like Coleman. Coleman's an excellent player. Coleman, again, is another, he's another player who seems to be blossoming under, more than more than Baines even, you know what I mean? He seems to be blossoming under Martin. He seems to have just settled right in. He said with this uh, this this Spanish kid, you know, I can't pronounce his name. Delefeu, no, no one can. No one can. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm just having a go and hoping. I believe he says on, on, on the training ground, he can't, he can't, Coleman said, I can't live with him, I can't get there, I can't catch him. Oh, that, that, was, that was the case for the entirety of the Stoke back four, John, frankly. <laughs> yeah. he, spent, he, spent, uh, he spent 90 yeah. minutes watching him seemingly yeah. goes past him. He's fantastic. He seems to, he's he just seems to really enjoy playing. He reminds me a lot of Coutinho last year in that, you know, you just get a kid who, who just throws on and he just seems to really enjoy football and plays without a care in the world. He goes, and, and, and that really rubs off on anyone else because if you've got this guy and he's 19 or 20 and he's just going, do you know what? This is all just a laugh. This, well, I think this is the key thing. Everton at the minute, with the points they've got on the board, you know, it's uh, the first worry for Martinez was it could go badly wrong because it cannot go badly wrong for any manager at any point. It hasn't. And that's the key thing for me, Mick. Everton look like a side who are playing a lot of the time without a care in the world. You mentioned Barry. Barry, you know, is enjoying his football because he's not necessarily playing with world beaters. He's the senior man. And I think that helps as well. Barry looks like... And he, he knows he's going to play. And he knows he's going to play every week. Exactly, he's not getting chopped and chased. These <coughs> lads are enjoying the football, Mick. That's what I'm saying. They're playing with a smile on their face. Yeah, uh, and we're watching with a smile on us. Uh, and that's a bit of a shift, I think, for the football club, isn't it? Because last season, there was a lot of anger knocking around Everton last season before <laughs> it was even known the manager was going. I thought, you know, you talk to Evertonians and they were frustrated. Yeah. Things weren't going much better. And yet now it seems to me every Evertonian I speak to is in a great mood. It's, I, used, I, I love Moisey, and I really, really did. But I was getting fed up when I was there week in, week out, and it wasn't changing. Yeah. Wasn't changing. If we got a goal, we'd hang on to us. It, now we, we get a goal and we're going forward and forward. Well, I think it's you know it's noticeable. I think that shift. And I, but, but every every Liverpool supporter I spoke to after the derby says you wouldn't have had that game with Moyes. No, because he'd have panicked at some point. He'd have done it wrong. You look at the change he makes when he when he takes off uh, Baines because he gets the injury and he brings on um he, he brings on Delafeu and he moves Barry, Barry moves Barry into this sort of weird quasi left back, almost like left mid sort of thing. <laughs> and Moyes wouldn't have done that. He just whacked the left back on and hoped for the. Best and gone, oh no, but it also in his head it would have been that's my excuse. The excuse has gone there now because Baines has gone off. So and now what it's was all, an excuse for him, yeah. Uh, but now it's can do, you know what I mean? Mike Martinez seems to me to be can do. It's uh, but I've loved, I, 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 I'll just never ever pull an Everton player down or an Everton, you know, yeah. It's it's just we're we're a lovely club. We've got a lovely uniform. We play in. <laughs> Some people don't let us win down again. <laughs> <laughs> they should be doing, shouldn't they? Make you'd like yeah. to see that yeah. sort of thing change. Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's so noticeable, John. And I think it's what I love is that I think it's noticeable with the the reaction of supporters. We had Peter Hooten on the Anfield rap, and he mentions he was sitting in the Everton ends during the derby, and he actually mentioned that when at half time in seasons gone by a two one down, there'd have been moaning and groaning, and there was loads of people going, "We've been really good here. We can 
keep going, we can keep doing this. And I think sometimes you need that sort of change to football club to give people that lift. I think it was the same on Saturday as well. I don't think I don't think Everton started brilliantly. It took him till just before half time to score, and he'd had a couple of decent chances, and they've been the better team, but without really being brilliant. But the crowd to me just seemed a lot calmer. Just I was listening to it on City, and they just seemed kind of you know a lot more relaxed about it. And there was no one sort of you know getting on anyone's backs like they might have done last couple of seasons, going oh here we go again, here's a nil nil against the team we should be beating. The, the crowd seemed to sense no, you know we'll get our goal, and then when we do, we'll run away with this, and that's what happened, and that makes a huge difference to players. That's what's happening, isn't it? Now, Mickey, I think yeah, that, that the is. crowd does seem more relaxed. It does seem to be with the itself. crowd. The crowd's brilliant. Now, I go I, to them games. I go with my grandsons. They're staunch, red, staunch. But you know what? A good, good chat we had after the game. Yeah, you know, a good, and it was it was relaxed. I relaxed. I'll be honest. I'm going to say it now. They might like me on air, but I think it was a fair result as well on the day. Yeah, that was that that derby. That derby the Honestly, yeah, it was three three was a fair result. It definitely was, and I think I, it's it's reminiscent of the, the, this. I I'll be honest with you, Mick. I hate the phrase "the people's club," <laughs> and I'm going to start using this platform to get rid of the phrase "the people's club." And that's not because I've got a problem just with the idea that Everton Everton can be the people's club. But what I always loved, genuinely, and this goes back to like I remember knocking around with Evertonian lads when I was eight and nine. I loved the school of science. Uh. <laughs> I loved the phrase "the school of science." I always wanted. I always wanted Liverpool to be the school of science it sounds amazing doesn't it John but also when you when you say the word school of science you think about all those brilliant Everton players and the fantastic history and you say the people's club and you just think of Moyes just just yeah. trying to wind people up and it's completely different emotions and one of them is you know positive and fantastic well, and the other one is just sort of negative and snide school of science you know it's 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 it's, it's Alex Young yeah. it's you know it's these yeah. it's, it's it's Kendall it's all these sorts of players it's the idea that Everton had this this glorious midfield that interchange that slid around that knew exactly what it was doing and the people's club just makes me think of lads winning battles <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit of you know like you know and that's a bit of a shit whereas I think it's time to bring the school of science back Mick you can call you can look at this side they're not dogs of War, they're the school of science. The school of science, definitely, definitely the school of science. And you know what I've got? My best, well, my mate, my top mate, he made the Anfield gates. Did he? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Go on. He <laughs> made the Anfield. A fellow named Big Peter Garnet. He made all that, all that raw sign. Didn't need, didn't need a ladder. Hey, <laughs> it, it, no, it was big, it's big, and he, he made the law. He made the law. Oh, isn't that good? That is very good indeed. Didn't, didn't see that coming. And I talked to him. I still talk to him, even though he's that red. <laughs> no, honest. honest. It should be like that, though, shouldn't it? Yeah, it is. We, it we is. get on. We, you know, I really like look, looking forward to, to, to sort of seeing you on a Friday when we come yeah. in. You know, it's, it's good to have a good chat about football and, nice. and to talk about you know different teams and how they're doing and asking each other how they're going rather, rather than telling them. We love football, don't we? Exactly. All being told, and I think this is the big thing. I think it's being told by you know being told by the papers how other sides are going. I'd rather hear from the team supporters how they're going than, than you know when you get the, the, the papers in the way almost trying to interpret but it'll tell you this result's massive for this reason and this one's not so for others. You don't know until you talk to the actual supporters. Uh, I, I actually think papers make stories up to sell the papers. It's, it's not all true, what they say. Well, we had take, a, take a lot of it out. Well, we had, you know, it was interesting, we had uh, Juliet Jakes on the uh, the Anfield rap last night, didn't we, John? And she's, you know, Norwich have just won. And she, you know, but she was very honest and said, ultimately, she doesn't fancy this side of Liverpool are going to play next. And, you know, in the in the narrative of the way newspapers speak, you know, it's a good point for Norwich, a good three points for Norwich. They've done this, they've done that. And Juliet was quite open and went, don't fancy us coming to Anfield. Yeah, and I think I think with the press as well, they'll often go on the table and say, well, these are here, so they must be great, or these are here, so they must be rubbish. But when you actually speak to fans, sometimes when they're riding quite high, they go, do you know what, we're getting away with a lot here and we're, we're going to struggle. And then they often see they do. Whereas even 
teams down the bottom might say to you, do you know what? We're not playing that bad and we just need a decent little run of games and, and a, basically a more friendly month and, and we'll, you know, you'll see us rise up the table and that often happens as well. So, yeah, I mean, speaking to other supporters is, is definitely the best way to, to find out and that's why I always like on the Anfield that when we get other fans on and, you know, they tell you exactly what it is about their club. <laughs> it always always a good one as well when you think someone's really good, they play so they go, nah, nah, they're terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. What, what, what would you like to, you know, what's what's the thing that helps him improve? Do you think he needs another option from the bench now, Martinez? Do you think he needs someone to pl- come on if Lukaku's getting a bit tired? Do you think it might be time for, the, for, for that in January, Mick? Or do you think it's now, you know, that they've got to be got to accept where they are, be pretty settled and keep fighting with these players because they look like they're doing well? We've just, we've just got, I, I just can't make up what happened, what happened to Djelovic. Well, that's know. a mystery. I just don't know. He was fantastic. Yeah. It's and before, before the derby, I, I find the derby like a dentist appointment. <laughs> I, I was terrified before it. Afterwards, I was happy. But, <laughs> but what, has happened to him? What, what has happened to him, do you think? Djelovic? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I honestly don't know. Do you think he flattered to deceive a bit at first and, and now he's sort of dropped back to his real level or do you think he's just confidence? I think it's confidence with him. I think, I think, I think it's confidence as well, but I don't know. It just seems to be a bit more than confidence, doesn't it? Because it's such a drop-off. It's he's such made a some drop-off. I, I don't understand. Sometimes when you see that in football, John, it, when you see players just go to bits, it can be difficult. It's hard to tell off a season, isn't it? Whether that's a kind of real purple patch or whether, you know, that's actually, you know, how they can play if their confidence is up and they're playing every week. So it's hard to know what the real Jelovic is. It's probably somewhere between the, the two things of what we're, what we're seeing now and what we saw last year. He's obviously a better player than he's shown this season or, or he wouldn't have got the goals that he did. But maybe he's someone who needs to be starting all the time and maybe this thing of him coming in and, in and out not really working out for him. I think that is Everson's big concern, though. You know, they, they seem to have reasonable strength and depth in certain areas uh, in midfield, especially on the attacking midfield. As I say, they made two changes and, and won 4 0 in those places. But and there's not many sides who are doing that at the moment. There isn't. No, well, Liverpool are, that's for sure. But if Lukaku, something happens to Lukaku, then then you kind of you think, well, what, what, where do Everton go from there? I think that would be a big miss to them. But he does. He seems to be, he seems to be pretty robust. He, he certainly looks pretty robust. <laughs> <laughs> See, you wouldn't have seen all all this confidence stuff with Sharpie and people like that. They didn't have these lapses in confidence and no, they, they didn't. They still attack and attack and attack. I think that's I think that's interesting. That I think that that's. I wonder sometimes whether or not we talk these play, like they talk themselves into it now a little bit more. I don't know if it was if it was as prevalent in years yeah. gone by. Actually, this sort of stuff. Well, maybe people are just more open about it. Hang yeah, maybe sec, they are. Just a sec. What does prevalent mean? <laughs> <laughs> he does this. He does this to me. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, we haven't had no prevalent plays. <laughs> I think that that's fine. That's fine. I think though it was to go back to that though. I read. Um, what was the book? I read um, the Red, um, Cy Hughes' Red Machine, which was about the players in Liverpool dressing room in the 80s, making it was quite interesting because he didn't speak to the obvious players. He spoke to people like Michael Robinson and um, Dave Johnson, lads who, who David yeah, Hodgson, sorry, yeah, yeah. not Johnson, Hodgson, who couldn't get going as Liverpool centre forwards. And those dressing rooms felt like they were very much, you know, they were, they would test your character as much as playing would so you know the people like Robinson and, and, and David Hodgson they, they got to the point where they themselves felt in the mid 80s they didn't fancy it because it was such a demanded environment I'm sure it was the same at Everton as well you know I'm yeah. sure that you know you look at Gray, Sharp, uh, Heath those sorts of players would very much you know what I mean they'd, they'd let you know what they were about and, and what they expected of you quite quick it's uh, it, 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 it's right. And to watch people like I've said when we first started, Davey Hickson, to watch Davey a lot, you know, that man never slowed down, never stopped. Just forward, forward, forward. Ian St. John, 
that team. Forward all the time. They didn't pass back. They forward, get it forward. Lovely stuff. Excellent stuff. This is City Talk 105.9. This is all in the game. Thanks for Mick for sitting in for Dave. After the break, me and John talking about Liverpool. And then we're going to get Rory Smith on. And we are actually going to talk about the press with Rory. Don't go anywhere. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is still all in the game. Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons uh, with you now through until 7 o'clock. Got Rory Smith coming up in part three. But before we do that, me and John talked in the immediate aftermath of uh, Hull City 3, Liverpool 1 yesterday for the Anfield wrap. Um, John, it was... Um, we, we talked yesterday, we were pretty low. Um, are you are you any higher or do you remain low? Not really, no. I mean, it's always difficult straight after the game, isn't it? Because you're kind of angry and upset and you don't really know where to go. And you, it's hard to, to see the bigger picture, really. And that's what I've been trying to think about today is the bigger picture and is this just a defeat and you're going to get them is it a bad day at the office which happens or is it actually something a little bit bigger and I think I can't really decide I kind of sway between the two really I think there are genuine problems in that how we've set up our team is basically to get the best out of our really good lads and it seems to have been decided that you know how we're playing at the moment is okay well we've got these really good players let's get Let's try and get the best out of them. Let's try and get them in best positions possible and they'll sort of carry us to victory. And the problem seemed to be that when two of those when two of those three weren't playing, two of the attacking three, I mean, weren't playing, we then didn't really know what we were about anymore. We didn't really we didn't have a system to fall back on, if you like, because it hasn't really been there. The thing that interests me about that, though, is that specifically Suarez doesn't play the first six games of this season. Liverpool win the first three of those one nil. They win. They win at Swansea. Sorry, they go to Swansea and draw two two. Yeah. What strikes me is they looked like there was a plan for that. Those games earlier in the season, those games where Liverpool won one nil. One of those plans was get ahead, drop into a shell, try and counter and see what comes of it. But I understand that, and in a number of those games, both Coutinho and Sturridge played, but. There was, it appeared to be, a more effective plan to get the best out of storage in those games than there was yesterday to get the best out of Suarez. And that's what I don't entirely sort of... It seemed to me to all be a little bit dumb. And this is the thing I keep saying. And when I say a dull, it seemed to be quite, you know, it seemed to be, we'll just go at these lads with Moses and Sterling and it'll just happen because the one of them will beat someone and then it'll go from there. And I think that's I that's a little bit problematic, really. And that, that's what worries me is that there seemed to be less... And we've had a week between games, eight days, in fact. There seemed to be less thought in that than there was earlier in the season uh, against against um, Villa away, United at home and Stoke at home. But that could be just because plans sometimes come off and sometimes don't and I think if, if you know if you if you set a team up and you tell them to play a certain way and then they do that you obviously look a lot cleverer than if you set them up another way and you and then them players aren't necessarily doing what you're you're asking them to I've got no idea what Rogers asked Sterling and Moses to do but I'm reasonably sure it wasn't what whatever Moses did for their first goal so it's difficult sometimes to, to kind of criticise managers and say there wasn't there didn't seem to be a plan because he was probably looking at it and thinking all those stuff have asked me to do they're not doing any of this and yeah. everyone's just kind of doing their own thing so I think I think players can make managers look stupid and I suspect that that's what happened there yeah, I think so as well I think that's quite possible it, it's it's to me I don't think it was a lack of effort and I'm very very I, I, I did notice a lot of people on the internet you know but feel it's easy to accuse 
accuse footballers of not trying, and I think that's always quite disingenuous. It's very difficult to play football and not try. You have to actively be. Yeah, be, uh, yeah. You know, you've got to be. Old, but it, but it more accurately was. I always remember an old Mourinho point about fitness. That fitness is. It's it's. And, and Rogers himself in not playing Sturridge in the derby. You know, he, he hinted towards it. That fitness itself is as much uh, mental as it is physical. When he, when you speak of what is or isn't fitness, and this is my argument that form doesn't exist. That essentially fitness is uh, is a mental fitness and a physical fitness. So at the minute we were talking about Jelovic in part one. Jelovic is arguably not fit at the minute. He doesn't seem mentally right. Doesn't seem to be you know to have that focus. And that was what struck me. Liverpool at the start of the season. Stoke, um, Stoke Villa. United. It was three cup finals, and the focus was 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 intense. I thought from the players, and that was what I thought was lacking. It wasn't. It wasn't that people weren't running round enough. It was that it didn't seem to be. You know, it didn't seem to be a precise form of football. It didn't seem to be. And this is where the players make themselves looked after. I think. Yeah. You know, they they didn't seem to be really really on it. I mean, using a, an example of a player who's far better than that level of performance is Glenn Johnson. Yeah, it was it was dreadful, and yet earlier in the season, you know, that appeared to be, and you can't simply blame a physical aspect on this he's had eight days recovery since the last match you know he's, he's not looked great recently for fitness Johnson but he's had eight days yeah so where's that where is that focus where is that sort of we're going to make sure that we're getting these sorts of things right and I think that that's the concern if you're looking for a bigger theme that's the concern because that's the one thing that Liverpool look good at this season that's what we've been saying all the way through they look like they can flat track bully the way to X number of points. This could be the one lapse against the bottom ten. You know, the play that's they've now played seven of the bottom ten and they've, they've won six. If that gets to fifteen and they've won fourteen, then you can still say all that's still true. But I think that that's the concern. Really, this is it. Going just simply the act of going away from home isn't an excuse to knock off. No, it isn't. It's interesting you bring out bring up the mental side because I think when we started the season and w- w- what you said there was kind of real togetherness and we say well we haven't got Suarez but we're going to do this and I think that was kind of a completely different reaction to what happened against Hull which I think was Friday's news just seemed to knock everyone out of storage you know oh he's got this he's got this problem he's hobbled off maybe it's just a sprain suddenly you know he's out for six to eight weeks and I think that really affected everyone and that with the Coutinho thing just seemed to me like the, like you know they can have kind of two effects it can really rally you or can really kind of you know knock you down and think oh god that's a real blow and it, it looked like it did that the players looked like you know they they kind of reacted to that news badly which obviously they shouldn't and it's obviously the manager's you know job to, to, to kind of um, you know pick them up and other players should be looking at it as an opportunity as well and that was one of the most disappointing things really that someone like Moses has been crying out for minutes you know came on and just and just didn't make the most of his opportunity I think that that's <clears throat> and that's a massive part of it as well I think that you know in there it's it's working out exactly what it is that you you what you want from from these players who, who get to come in I think you know there's there's clearly sort of semi-systemic issues around Liverpool which is that you know there's the the stuff that we've been talking about for some time midfield and all this sort of stuff I think it's it I thought Liverpool was strangely unbalanced more so than I would have thought I think you you know you've you've got a you've tried to play two very similar sort of players in wide areas um both of well, both theoretically want to be direct want to pick the ball up and go past people it might have been nice to have one or the other and be able to vary it a little bit and it didn't seem to me to be very tailored oddly to Suarez's needs if Suarez does feel as though he needs a partner I understand that's passes coming back from injury and this is also ignites the Barini question who who hit the bar for Sunderland at the weekend you know if he does sort of need a partner, then maybe you make somebody play as a partner. Whether it's Aspas to come on and do half an hour and someone to do sixty before, then yeah. someone comes, someone plays, and you, you stick with with that thing that's worked. Because that, my my big question on it is, we went to Hull, we were forced into changing things, but we didn't half change a lot. 
from what's from a fair bit of what's been working for us. Suddenly you're back to Henderson playing as a weird sort of semi number ten stroke Liverpool number seven, not really getting it and it just sort of seemed to me to be a bit of everything was getting lashed out everything was getting thrown back in and it was it seemed oddly more even though it was one up front it seemed more of a distant sort of performance inside from the one that had played the week before Everton so if you see what I mean the gap between the game before Everton and Everton seemed the, the, the players and the sort of performance and what was being asked of them seemed a lot closer together than the, the, the what's being asked of them against Everton and against Hull, even though theoretically the formations aren't a huge distance apart or anything like that. It just didn't seem quite as quite as thought through. Well, thought through is the wrong word because you're right. He's obviously thought it through. He's, he's not not doing his job. Yeah. It just didn't seem quite quite as on it. And I think it's I'm sort of not quite using words correctly here, but I think it's um, this is why I think people are taking it badly. Why I think it's become a significant concern, and why, you know, the second half of the season, Liverpool have got a lot of games against a lot of people who are like Hull. There's lots of these games, away games, wherein, you know, Liverpool are going to have to be tough, they are going to have to go to these places, and they are going to have to be able to reason through what the opposition are doing. And I think that there's lots of players in this league who are big and strong and quick, and we're trying to we've tried trying to do a lot of that I thought against Hull whereas maybe it's just you've just got to be a bit cleverer. Yeah, I think one of the things we tried to do is obviously use the ball a lot and I think you can you know Hull had a fantastic crowd and you can quieten the crowd by having a lot of possession and and kind of passing it around and, and kind of tiring them out. The problem was that that crowd just just didn't go anywhere and those players didn't look like they were going to tire at all. So I mean so that I think there was there was some sense in that in terms of how we, how we were trying to play there and I think we tried to be relatively aggressive as well. I don't know for what whatever reason that the, the, the new kind of formation didn't work it didn't seem to suit anyone and Suarez gets you know more and more impatient whereas he was I thought he was fairly patient at Goodison he was you know playing very much as the lone front man and, and doing all the stuff around that whereas in this game he was just trying to come, come deeper and deeper and it just sort of wasn't working out like that I don't know I think they'll have a I think he'll have a rethink on Wednesday I don't think he'll, he'll go for that again I think he he maybe go have a look at two or top and, and think about whether he can use Aspas there or maybe even use Moses there as, as another striker because Moses seems to think he's got twenty goals a season in him now. Seemingly so. I mean, it's, well, but I mean that is you know that that might be an option for him. The other thing he could do is he could just I'd like to see his play and I think it'll be easier at home. I'd like to see his play and look to constantly probe and try yeah. to get Suarez in. I'd like to see us do that really and just almost pretty much say to Suarez, you've got to play as a number nine. Yeah, we need you to do number nine things to help you out behind you. We will put Coutinho. We might put Gerard. We might put Alberto, yeah. we might use somebody else there, you know, but we, we will be devoting what we're doing towards getting you in, and not getting you in, you know, not getting you in at an acute angle, but getting you in, and that's something, that's the way in which I think it could, you know, it, it could change. And well, it, yeah, that's what we need to figure out, okay, we've lost storage now, it's a real blow, how do we get the most out of our other top class, or world class striker that he is, and, and how, do you, how do you best go about that, and that's really the challenge, but the Part of the problem is, we were talking about Everton before and Everton knowing exactly what they're about and people go in and come out and, and people who go out and people come in and they know exactly what their roles are and I think we don't really have that and it's it's hard to criticise Rodgers for that because we've kind of praised how he's been practical and how he's been looked at different things yes. and how he's been willing to learn and how he's been willing to try different things when things don't work but then you're also saying, well, you know, 
18 months as his reign, it's nice to have a, a bit more of an indication about how exactly he wants Liverpool to play and what it is exactly he expects to, each individual within that system to do because then it's much easier to be a young player, to be Raheem Sterling, to, to say, well, even if I'm not playing, that's the position I am going to play mm. when I do feature so I can watch what people are doing, I can learn about that position, I can think about that, I can practice it in training rather than going, oh, suddenly, I know we've been paying 4-4-2 and before that it was 3-5-2 and you were ch- ch- having to think about being a wing back but yeah. now <laughs> 24 hours before the game I think we're going to play 4-3-3 and you're playing right side although I might play it a bit left as well yeah. and Raheem Sterling suddenly you know he's had three weeks practicing wing, wing back but <laughs> 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 well, do you know what I mean yeah. I think it is hard for players and I think I think that's one of the negatives about the fact that we've been changing things around so much and we've been doing it to try and get the best out of our top players and, and get results yeah and get results yeah because results are the most important thing and it's alright talking about plans and it's alright saying well this is where we want to be and so we'll do that but if you're losing games then you're going to get the sack especially if you're Liverpool manager City Talk 105.9 this is on the game don't go anywhere after the break we're going to talk about Andre Villas-Boas taking on the press with Rory Smith he's part of the press does he feel taken on let's find out <laughs> everything and anything football it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9 it is all in the game City Talk 105.9 Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons and joining us on the line now is uh, Rory Smith Rory um, basically um, Andre Villas-Boas has stood up to the press you're in the press do you feel stood up to? I do, I feel intimidated by him. I feel I feel feel threatened and, and excited. <laughs> I can see I can see why you feel excited with that growl. Um it's uh, it's uh, the whole situation just is it's one of these things where everyone's it, I, I don't think anyone's gonna come out of this well, Rory, apart from you obviously. Well I mean I'm well I'm I'm completely and utterly uh, tangential to it. So yes, I'm 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 confident my reputation will survive intact. But now, I think, to be honest, my, my general theory, and it sounds a bit stupid, is that I think that the, one of the weakest things a manager can do, or one of the surest signs of weakness a manager can offer, is firstly to suggest that he reads the papers, but more importantly to suggest that what the papers say bothers him. You don't get managers who are, who are doing well, who are really comfortable in their own position, really comfortable in their own kind of skins, don't care what people say about them. They know that we, you know, we, we all have to talk about, about football, and it's it's easy to kind of to demonise the press and say, "Oh, the press are bad. It's the journalists causing trouble." But the journalists only the press only write negative things when fans are saying negative things. We don't necessarily say the same things as the fans. But if the fans are really happy, then that is reflected in the newspapers. If the fans aren't happy or have grounds for unhappiness, that's reflected in the newspapers. It's not some sort of conspiracy. But what you shouldn't do as a manager, I think, is kind of suggest that what's in the newspapers really bothers you because it does tend to suggest that you're not quite comfortable. I'd agree with that, Rory, but don't you think, I think there's an element, personally, of, of journalists who are, who are closer to Redknapp, shall we say, who've been a bit harder on Villas Bowers than they would have been otherwise. I, I don't know whether, I mean, I don't want to, this is where the, the emerger comes down, and I mean, I, I, I know Neil Axton and Mark and Samuel, who are the two journalists that, that Villas Bowers um, sort of singled out. I don't know that either of them, they're not particularly close friends, I get on well with both of them, and it's not for me to say that they're, because Martin obviously wrote Harry Redknapp's book, ghosted Harry Redknapp's, Harry Redknapp's book, it's not for me to say that that is why he's having a go at Villas Boas, but what I would say is that there is a suspicion, I think, of Villas Boas that maybe other managers would not get, and that I think is to do with his youth, It's I think it's much easier to his foreign uh, it's to do with this kind of bookishness. There's an anti-intellectual streak in English football. There's no question about that. That I think kind of reflects badly on him. And, and, I think and that, that he hasn't played. 
Yeah, I think that's a factor, the fact that he didn't play, the fact that we kind of see him as being, a, he, he's a bit sort of football manager, isn't he, in terms of the game rather than the sort of job. <laughs> <laughs> he's, that was that didn't work very well. He's a bit, he's a bit FIFA 14, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of reasons why people generally maybe bite a lot quicker with the Boas than they would with other managers. But then he's not the first one to be to be the victim of that. There's no question about that. It, it does tend to apply. I'm not for a minute alleging that anyone is xenophobic, but I think this country generally, and the media re- reflects that, is maybe a bit more suspicious of foreign managers who come in and, and try and not reinvent the wheel, but, t- but kind of say they're reinventing the wheel. That tends to get people's backs up, and they tend to be analysed a lot more closely, a lot more, they come under a lot more scrutiny than it may be a sort of traditional shouts a lot, where's a track to English manager. I think it's a, I, I think it's it's becoming an interesting situation. I think it's a, I I feel sorry a little bit sorry for him because I do think it does and I agree with you, Rory, and that you know the one thing you don't want to do is start suggesting to these people that you are taking it seriously. Uh, you know, I do think that that's a, that that's a real mistake. You don't want to let them know that you and you don't want to you don't want to descend into it either. I think if you do descend into it, then you I don't quite see how you ever come out of yeah, it. Yeah, well. what's the best that's going to happen? There, they're going to go. Oh, you know, he's he's got a point there. <laughs> yeah, no one's. I'll leave him alone. Didn't, None of these people are taking a backward step, uh, and that's the, the, you know you're not going to be able to talk to them. Certainly, when you're saying you know you're you're, you're being unfair about my human qualities. I read the Neil Ashton piece today, and I, I'm not going to dare to speak speak to speak for Rory. But I think it's ludicrous to uh, act as though anybody could have done that with Porto. Uh, I think it's a ridiculous statement to make, and I think it's one that's you know it's quite it's quite ignorant, really. Yes, Porto are one of the dominant forces in um, in, in 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 Portuguese football, but the essence of everything that Fias Boas achieved there at Porto is statistically astonishing without having even seen the football and the football I saw around that period in the Europa League was terrific so I think it's I think it's very very unfair to, to, to put that suggestion out there well Neil I'd, I'd agree with you completely mate I think I think what, what, what you can kind of say that there is an argument to be made I think that that, that season at Porto wasn't necessarily the best test of a manager's true sort of credentials because he did have this huge advantage over kind of every other Porto manager since and over the, kind of the rest of Europe in that he had Hulk and Falcao who were both on fire. That, that's, that's a legitimate discussion to have, I think, that, that when a manager ha- inherits, that's what happens at Porto, you inherit players, you don't choose them yourself, yeah. inherits a team that has these incredible kind of component parts, then... It, how much is it the manager and how much of it is, is the player? That's, that's a legitimate debate. But yeah, to suggest that, that, the, that kind of what happened at Porto doesn't count is ludicrous. It is, it's, it's taking a, a sensible debate and kind of removing the validity from it by use of exaggeration, to be perfectly honest. And I, I like Ash, as I say, I think he's, he's a good journalist. He's a, there is no better news reporter in this country than Neil Ashton, I would, I would say that. But that, yeah, on that piece, I think that that is not that is not a valid argument. I think there is a discussion within there that deserves to be had and needs to be had. But that isn't it. That you, you can't discount what the Aspen said at Porto, particularly. I mean, this is the really obvious bit. If he just, you know, dominated the Portuguese league, fine. You could maybe say, well, was it a fluke? Was it the fault of Falcao? Blah blah blah. He won the Europa League. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I know we've got this stupid, and it's one of the things about English football that annoys me the most, this stupid, oh, it's, it's the UEFA Cup, so it doesn't matter, viewpoint in this country, but the rest of Europe doesn't like that. So that's a serious competition to win, to win. And to be honest, in the modern kind of era, Porto winning that competition is nothing to be laughed at at all. There's no question that Villas-Boas is a good manager. He is, he is flawed. I, I believe that he is flawed. And I think there's lots of 
reasons to kind of criticise him. I think there's lots of ammunition you could use against him, but to say that it doesn't count when he won when he won the treble and lose a game is yeah is ridiculous. Yeah, I think that that's I, I think that that's the problem, and I think that's how you, be, you know people begin to turn off from this sort of stuff. Is if you know if you go all in like that, if you go if you find yourself going that way along to to slaughter somebody, that I am beginning to go well. You, you know, you're killing yourself to slaughter this fella. You know, I think it's um, it's interesting as well how he picked up on the fact that he 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 claims that he said that we we should be ashamed and not just that that they should be ashamed. And I think that that's important as well. I think that's important for a manager to be honest with you. If that is incorrect, then it should be corrected. I think because if you know if the way that's being portrayed is incorrect. Because when I read, I actually read that headline just innocently enough in a sandwich shop. I just read that headline, and good, um, good to know where you were when you read it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, what I mean is, that, you know, I just, I just, it was just there, and I went, "Christ, that's Hodgson-esque. You don't do that. You don't, you don't turn it into us and them. If you're a football manager, but if he's adamant that, you know, he said it, uh, he when he said us, he very much, he, he was including himself. He wasn't separating off from his own footballers, and I think that's a big deal. And I think that, you know, I, th- I do think that, you know, you, there is a responsibility to get that sort of stuff right because I, I do think it's. It's a shame to, as you say, if there's other reasons to criticise this man, not least. I mean, I'd, I'd be critical of him. I think that Spurs have been very poor when I've seen him this season. Um, he's, he's, he's been presented with a problem that he's clearly not 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 even began to grapple with solving in terms of how he replaces the uh, the explosivity of Bale. You know, it's it, it, there is the, the, there's a discussion to be had big time about how well he's done. But if you start to say things and and and, and take things out of context, then I think it's I think it's unfortunate and I think it, it cheapens the debate. I think that, no, that's absolutely right. And as you say, you, you can look at... And, and the, the other thing that should be said at, at this point is that, again, it's not the case that... And it, it, it does kind of annoy me when, when, when it's sort of the accusation is levelled at the media and it's... And journalists generally, especially in this, this age of social media and all that, that we're, we're quite careful... Because we know that if we complain, it sounds really ungrateful and a bit sort of prickly and a bit pompous and all that. So I'm not, I'm not complaining. But there is this assumption that... That, that I am quite pompous, so just just bear that in mind. But there is this assumption that the media kind of decides they want rid of, of the Aspoas and so starts, or whoever, starts engineering a campaign against him and it, the, the kind of media gets rid of the manager because they don't like him. That's not true. The reason that those stories are coming out about kind of Villas Boas on the brink and Villas Boas under threat is because he is. There are discussions at Spurs that they're not convinced by him. Now, it could be that he could get sacked in the next 10 minutes or he might survive until the end of the season or he might, you know, he might build a glorious dynasty at White Hart Lane. But that doesn't mean that, that those discussions aren't happening or that it's complete nonsense that, that, yeah. that people are reporting it. So that, I think that is an important factor. But within that, there's loads of things you can say about Spurs that, that are valid criticisms. And the problem with, with taking invalid criticisms and using them as valid ones is that it, it basically, like you say, it blinds the rest of the argument. And the rest of the argument is quite solid that you, you, I think there's big, massive question marks about Spurs' transfer policy in the summer. They've bought a striker who doesn't fit in with the team. That's fairly obvious. I mean, I think that's relatively obvious to most people that Soldado doesn't quite work with the rest of the players that they have at Tottenham, and that's a fairly big problem. There is an issue about the relationship between Baldini and Vias Boas and how closely they're working together. There's an issue about whether they have bought... I'm loath to sort of give any credit to someone who was on 606, but there was a fan who ran up, ran up on 606 as I was travelling back from Hall yesterday on another radio station and said... It's fine. People know it exists. The, pro- the problem is that, that they've spent 105 million quid almost to the sake of it because they felt if they sat on it, that the prices would go up next, you know, in the summer. Yeah. And they'd, they'd end up paying through the nose. But they bought players who maybe 
you know, you, I mean, trying to bed in seven players is, is tough at the best of times, but there's players there who you're not quite sure are ready yet, who maybe aren't quite better than, than what they had. I thought that they bought quite sensibly, but they bought expensively and extensively. And yeah, a lot of players in the same area, for God's I think, sake. I think, yeah. I think Townsend's caught them out a bit there, hasn't he, in terms yeah. of his progress as well? Well, but his progress is a little bit of a myth. Because all Andros Townsend does is, is run really fast at people, and that's good. And then he shoots, and occasionally they go in, and everyone says, oh, he's the best player in the world. But he's not. He takes about 30 shots for every goal. <laughs> uh, OK, very, very quickly then. Uh, we're going to have to wrap this up in the next 90 seconds or so. Uh, Rory, what, um, what's um, uh, David Moyes' favourite Bond theme? What's like, David Moyes' favourite, favourite Bond, Bond theme? theme? Um, Nobody draws ooh. it better. Uh, John Gibbons, John <laughs> Gibbons, what's uh, what's David Moyes' favourite um, favourite uh, Bob Mills vehicle? I don't know. Win, lose, or draw. Uh, Rory of the medieval torture and uh, killing machine, um, hung, drawn, and quartered. What bit's David Moyes' favourite? The, the drawing bit. It is the drawing bit. <laughs> no one. <laughs> no one. What's David Moyes' favourite online game playing app? John Gibbons. I don't know. Draw something. No one. <laughs> no one in this country gets to draw as well as David Moyes do the Rory you've got 30 seconds uh, no, I think he's very. He, the biggest, my biggest surprise he about loves it too, too. United is that he's so good in Europe and so kind of uncertain in the Premier League. I think that's really interesting because that's the exact opposite of what I was expecting. Yeah, that's wrecked my head a bit as well, Rory. I've been really upset by that, actually. Yeah, that's the bit I'm taking worse. John, it's a lot of draws. He loves a 2 2 this lad. He seems to, yeah. And long may, it, last year. long may it continue. It's a, it, it's a remarkable draw percentage Who's for me. Who's the Evertonian equivalent of Alan Sugar? Who, sorry, <laughs> the Man United equivalent of Alan Sugar, who might start having a go? Uh, I don't think they have one, really, do they, unfortunately? <laughs> Luckily, even, think, luckily for Moise. I can't even think of, an, of a Man United equivalent of uh, Christa Berg, <laughs> um, which is, um, which is, maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, I was going to say Hucknall. <laughs> Hucknall, when Hucknell starts putting the boots in. That's when, they'll, that's when they know they're in real trouble. Uh, yeah, maybe we need to give it a bit of time and wait, wait for Hucknell to absolutely push himself along. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been this week's All in the Game. Thanks so much to Mick Shields for coming on in part one. Uh, thanks to Rory Smith for part three. He has pomp, he is never pompous. And uh, thanks to John Gibbons for doing the duration. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week. Full compliment, and hopefully Liverpool have six more points. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.